A big year in politics beckons with four states and territories going to the polls, two federal by-elections and maybe even an early federal poll. Amid the fallout of Prime Minister Anthony Albanese's decision to change the Stage 3 tax cuts, how could this play into the minds of voters? Matthew Ward-Ages spoke with political commentator Professor Mark Kenny from the Australian National University's Australian Studies Institute to get a temperature check on a big year of elections. Professor Kenny, thank you for joining The Wire. We've seen the Stage 3 tax cuts hotly debated since changes were announced by the government. Polling released over the last few days, though, shows little change for the PM or Labor either way. What will be playing on the minds of the public in the aftermath of that decision? Well, the calculation that Labor has made here is that it needs to be fighting on its own territory and by changing Stage 3, inherently the policy uh, prescription of the previous government, Labor feels it now has a policy to defend. Uh, Yes, there is the question of the broken promise, the undertaking that was given to deliver Stage 3 tax cuts in full, uh, and the government has changed that, but it has a, a very plausible argument, I think, to say that the circumstances have deteriorated even further than they were deteriorating earlier on with cost of living crisis and the like and instability in the world. And I think voters will applaud the fact that they're getting more out of it. The vast majority of voters getting more out of it than they had been. So uh, it might be not showing up in the polls yet. It may not have a, you know, an absolutely seismic effect on the government standing, but I think it gives the government, that is a Labor government, a, a policy to defend which is its own policy. And that's why, yes, it's a fight, but it's a fight that the government feels it can prosecute, it can wage consistent with its own values, which it couldn't really do when it was uh, trying to defend what it said was an unfair policy uh, prescription of the previous government. You mentioned, of course, that these changes are being positioned by the opposition as a broken promise. Will it have shaken the public's trust in Anthony Albanese? It's one of the uh, sort of sad ironies in a way that uh, when politics is um, is characterised by broken promises and by a lot of hyperbole around it, uh, that voters tend to expect that sort of behaviour from their politicians. Now, it doesn't mean they like it, um, but I think if there is a good reason for changing a particular position, then voters might be more inclined to accept it. So somewhere in between there i think there'll be there'll be voters who who really focus on the broken promise aspect of this policy change uh but there'll be a lot of others who say yeah but it was changed for a good reason and i get more out of it and uh you know the the less well off get more out of it than than the um uh, top earners uh, and that is a is a sort of a Labor policy. So that's the calculation that the Prime Minister and the Treasurer and the Cabinet, the Labor caucus, have made about this. And there seems to be a lot of confidence from the people I've spoken to in the Labor caucus. Uh, they are happy with that trade-off. They'd rather be defending a policy prescription which is fairer, uh, even if it does involve reversing a position. And they're prepared to uh, take the hit. I think for the Prime Minister personally, Yes, it's, um, it's pretty hard to walk away from words like my word is my bond when, in fact, uh, you've changed your position. Uh, that, I think, will shake some confidence in the Prime Minister. But then again, uh, when he's defending a policy he believes in, he might make up some of that ground also by looking genuine and by having some, some reasonable content to talk about. 
politicians uh, being clever with words and changing their minds and so forth, perhaps breaking promises, if you want to put it like that, is priced in, uh, really. Uh, Australians are fairly cynical to begin with, and many of them might be that surprised that that, that change has occurred. The Australian Financial Review last week suggested that we might now be heading to the polls at the end of this year rather than next year, given the response to these tax changes. Do you think that that's likely? I think it's more likely than it was because the government sort of finished 2023 in slightly bedraggled state. Uh, there'd been the unsuccessful voice referendum, the worsening conditions that Australians were living in, you know, with, with prices rising and uh, the housing crisis and the like. And I think, and, and of course, a lot of instability in the world, a lot of bad news and the sense of, of, of worse to come, uh, none of which was uh, you know, helpful for a government looking to stay on top. The government did appear to have a, a, an element of of drift about it uh, in the aftermath of the, the unsuccessful voice referendum, which the PM had personally a fair bit invested in. And now, yes, the government's taken a calculated risk by by changing its policy on tax. It's come up with a better policy, it says. I think there's a there's a strong case to argue that it is a better policy for, for most Australians. And that, therefore, means there's a good chance that the government's stocks will improve over this period. We'll also see, as we've seen interest rates on hold announced this week, whether that will remain the case, who knows, but there's a good chance it will. It could even be interest rate cuts later in the year. Those circumstances all taken together, a sense of optimism as things improve, could also add to the government travelling in a a better direction. And as uh, my friend Phil Curry in the uh, Finn made the point the other day, Uh, Governments go to elections when they think they can win. And if Albanese concludes that they're better off going a little bit early by going at the end of this year, I think that's entirely possible. My my money would still be on an election next year, but um, uh, I'm not a betting man. You mentioned there the voice referendum as well, and along with the Stage 3 tax cuts, the first opportunity for the public to have their say on those two events will be the upcoming by-elections in Dunkley and later this year in the former Prime Minister Scott Morrison's seat of Cook. Historically, incumbent governments do fare poorly in by-elections. How do you think the parties will be approaching these contests? I think Labor would be more nervous about Dunkley than it might be letting on. Um, and certainly more nervous than the the, the opposition is uh, is letting on as well, because as you say, governments tend to get a bit of a, a whack from voters uh, when there are by elections, particularly because voters seem to think that it's not about changing the government, but it's about sending a message to the government. I think the government, the Labor government, you know, has some baggage here. The change in the tax policy won't have done it any harm, I don't think. In aggregate, you know, there'll be some who say the Prime Minister's, you know, integrity has been been tarnished. But nonetheless, I think they'll look at it and they'll say, I'm better off. So the government's done what it can in policy terms to improve its position. But it's only defending a 6% margin now. In a general election, you'd say that's that's pretty safe or it's, you know, outside of the normal designation of a marginal seat. But it's quite possible that a 3 or 4% swing could happen. That would be quite normal. Uh, in a by-election, and it's quite possible that you could get double that. We've seen a fair amount of volatility in elections in Australia in recent times, uh, and we've seen some upsets, like the fact that Labor won a by-election off of the uh, opposition in Aston 
uh, only about 12 months ago. So, you know, you can have upsets. I think Labor would be a bit nervous about Dunkley. Uh, I don't think there's going to be an upset uh, in Cook, however, the former Prime Minister's seat. It's possible the Coalition could get uh, a... um, a blood nose, though, out of that depends if uh, community independence steps forward, for example. There's no chance Labor's going to pick up Cook, but um, a, uh, a setback for the coalition in that seat would make people nervous in the uh, coalition party room about whether they can actually get there with Peter Dutton. So these are both going to be quite interesting to watch. There are also a handful of state and territory elections this year. How do you see politics playing out there? And may it also play into politics at federal level? Well, look, I don't think they're going to have a huge amount of impact. They, they, they tend to be happening in in the springtime. Um, I think, what have we got? Northern Territory, which is not a particularly consequential election in national terms, very small jurisdiction that's happening in August. Um, Queensland in both Queensland and ACT. ACT, again, quite a small jurisdiction, tends to vote Labor fairly consistently has the hair clerk system here which makes changes of of government or at least a pathway to a majority for the liberal party in the act pretty hard to imagine um queensland's obviously a much more pivotal sort of election a key state uh, peter dutton's home state of course a stronghold for the coalition federally but um pretty safe territory for labor at the state level as well, which is quite interesting. They've got a new Premier there, and Stephen Miles, so it'll be a test for him, but I think they've they've done, Labor's done the internal renewal there, whether it works or whether it just results in, um, in, in the government being tossed out, I guess we'll wait and see. And you then think about, well, what are the implications of that federally? Those sometimes get a bit overstated, but would it do Labor any harm federally if the state Labor government was removed? Probably not. It might even help if voters uh, get out their aggravations to turning out the state Labor government. They might be more inclined to stick with the, the federal Labor government should there be an election perhaps in November, which is, is at least possible. Of course, in the background of all of this is a US primary season and a presidential election later this year, which will likely be between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. How does that almost year-long event play into the thinking for the Australian public? Well, Australians will be looking at the US election with a great deal of interest, as indeed will most of the world. Uh, Both uh, friends and foe of America will be looking at this because the possibility of a second Trump term, uh, an even more wild ride, uh, most predict than, than the first Trump term, perhaps by some orders of magnitude, is a genuine risk for world stability uh, and for the role that the US plays. I don't think it's going to have a particularly strong electoral impact in Australia, but I do think Australians will be uh, very closely watching that contest. It is hard to believe that this, uh, the Great Republic, as it's referred to sometimes, is it seems to be proceeding to a choice between you know, two 80-year-olds, um, someone who's going to be 82 in, in the case of Biden by the time he's inaugurated, I think, uh, for a second term. And um, Trump is only, you know, three, three and a half years behind him or something. So it's it's a gerontocracy there in the, in the US and one that um, is, is potentially a contest between, as I say, an old man who is proven but whose age is very much a factor for voters and a slightly less old but only slightly less old and completely unpredictable and mercurial and potentially quite dangerous alternative 
in Donald Trump. That's uh, that's a concern. And the, the, the final thing I'd say on that, which is an interesting sort of conundrum, is that you know Nikki Haley is still in the race against Trump for the Republican nomination, and the Democrats want her to lose, uh, and the Republicans by and large, seem to want her to lose. That is, they both agree they would like to see Trump as the Republican candidate. In the case of the Democrats, Biden thinks his best shot is beating Trump again. And in the case of the Republicans, well, they just can't accept anyone but Trump because he's turned the uh, the party into something of a cult. Uh, yet the polling seems to show that the most dangerous combination for Biden would be facing Nikki Haley if she were the candidate because it would very strongly contrast his... Um, his age with her youth and, uh, you know, freshness. And that's quite a fascinating dynamic in itself. Uh, I think it's uh, just going to be a really fascinating year to watch the way the economic circumstances um, change. Hopefully they will improve and we'll see whether that uh, is reflected in the way the the Labor government uh, holds itself. Already I think you can see that in Albanese and his troops there is a greater level of confidence. As I say, I think this goes to them having actually an argument that they feel is their argument to put rather than one they didn't really believe in before, which was being sort of snooked into supporting the previous coalition's, uh, you know, tax cuts for the top end. Um, so that in itself, you know, confidence breeds, breeds confidence and I expect it may result in the government's stocks improving, but it is a topsy-turvy world and we see a lot of changes and uh, there, there'll be some some variables that will come in that we just don't don't even know about yet. Professor Mark Kenny, thank you for joining The Wire. Matthew Ward-Ages speaking with Professor Mark Kenny.